Are you ready for the game plan? Ellis Tolbert has got you covered. It's time for 4th and 16 on The Roar. Hey folks, welcome to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. Man, time flies, doesn't it? We're already at week three of college football season, and the Tigers are 2-0. They're coming off a big win over the Texas A&M Aggies in a game that was thoroughly dominated by the Tigers, uh, 24-10, and the final score looks a lot better than the game did itself, uh, thanks to a touchdown with six seconds left uh, by the fighting Jimbos, uh, just to make it look a little bit better. Anyway, this week, they'll be taking on the Syracuse Orange in a game that begins ACC Divisional play. Now, kickoff is at 7.30. Uh, this Saturday and will be on ABC, I believe. Uh, this game is the first away game for the Tigers this year. Now, the Orange have been a thorn in the Tigers' side for the past three years, going one and one with them. Uh, they'd be like a wounded dog in this one, though. They got shellacked by Maryland 63-20 to in a game that was really never even close. It was kind of embarrassing. Uh, but you know what they say, there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded dog, and they would like nothing more to, to be able to knock off the Tigers in a sold-out Carrier Dome once again as the number one team to try to take hold of the Atlantic. I'm hearing this is going to be the biggest game that they've had in two decades. They're playing uh, Orange out, and this is their homecoming. So anyway, let's get into it. The Orange will be led by their fourth-year head coach, Dino Babers, a guy who I am very, very complimentary of. Uh, he is a Offensive genius, much like Jimbo Fisher. Uh, he's bringing his offensive coordinator, Mike Lynch, with him as well. Uh, those guys really mesh together well. Uh, they've given Clemson some headaches over the past few years. The scheme that they like to run is a modified air raid, kind of like a veer and shoot type thing. It comes from the Art Bryles uh, family of air raid, um, where Art Bryles likes to run the ball a little bit more to open some things up. Uh, Dino Babers' mindset is to toss the pill. They want to throw the ball all over the field, turn this thing into a backyard football type thing. Uh, it's not really working for them right now, though. They're only averaging about 22 points per game. Now, granted, this has only been two games, uh, but that's only good for 97th in the country out of 130th. So this is much different than we saw last year where they were scoring 50-60 pretty much every single week. Uh, the offense is not very complex. Again, it's very, very predicated on throwing the ball all over the field. Um, they use a lot of wide splits. What I mean by that is they're spread out very far on the field. The linemen are spread out wider than normal. Receivers are further out past the hashes and things like that. They want to spread you out past the hashes, actually. Uh, you know, that pretty much puts it hard on you because you have to, you know, make sure you cover, but you can't stack the box for the run. Uh, because if you do, they're going to hit you with those quick, short routes. You know, they're limited with the routes that they can run. But, you know, if if everyone's out of the box and trying to cover outside, you know, you can run the ball. If you're trying to stack the box to run to keep the run from going, uh, they're going to hit you with slants. They're going to hit you with hitches, stuff like that. They're going to eat you alive. They have did this a whole lot. We've seen this happen uh, for the past few years, so we should know what's coming. Uh, again, they're, they're, they're very multiple. They like to use 10 personnel, some 11 empty. Uh, you'll see a lot of four wide, uh, you'll see Maryland. eye. they have a Maryland. eye. what I mean by that is, uh, it'll be a standard formation, uh, and they use two fullbacks, uh, and a tailback. 
Um, they also like to use a lot of exotic uh, formations to try to get you confused, a lot of window dressing, a lot of arc motions, things that way. They want to get you confused and get you thinking too much. Uh, again, it's not really working right now, and some of that is because in an air raid offense, your offense goes as far as the talent and development of your quarterback. They're missing Eric Dungy sorely this year. Uh, they're returning Tommy DeVito, quarterback from last year, who's got some experience. He had 44 completions on 87 attempts last year, 525 yards, uh, four touchdowns, but three interceptions all season. So far, he's gone 45 for 74 this year, 506 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. So he's right on par from what he was last year. Uh, he's not Eric Dungy at all. He's good, don't get me wrong, but he's not Eric Dungy. First and foremost, he's not the guy that can create things with his legs. He's not going to do that. He's more of a pocket passer. He's really good at it, though. Don't get me wrong. He's very good at pocket passing, but he's not going to wow you with his legs. He's also smaller than Dungy. Dungy was a machine. He was about 6'4", 230. Uh, DeVito is about 6'2", 215. Uh, again, he's a better pocket passer, so you don't really have to struggle as much with him outside of the pocket. But he can run, just not as dangerous uh, as Eric Dungy. Again, you really need this offense to go from your quarterback because really you can have you can throw anyone out there. As long as you can get things going with your quarterback, you'll be fine. They'll be using a lot of tempo. They want to get Clemson off their mark. They want to make sure Clemson is running around trying to figure out what's going on. It's going to be loud there. Uh, the dome, you know, it traps sound, so it echoes everywhere. Uh, they want to make sure that Clemson is confused, and they do that by using tempo. Uh, they tried to do that a little bit against Maryland, but Maryland was prepared for it uh, and shut that down. But uh, I think Clemson will be too. Clemson goes against tempo, although we are more of a variable tempo team. We can slow it down when we need to or speed it up when we want to. Um, you know, Syracuse is not going to be coming out and, you know, hitting us with plays every 11 seconds like they used to, but uh, they're still going to try to go fast to get Clemson off the ball, especially if Clemson comes out in the wrong defensive set. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, uh, you know, again, I talk about wide splits. That's going to help their offensive line because they're not looking so strong right now. Uh, they're replacing three starters. So far, they have not meshed yet. They just don't look like a cohesive unit. Uh, one of them might be out, Sam Heckel, uh, with an upper body injury. He's doubtful for the game now, but it looks like he may not play. That might be big. Uh, you know, Again, you, you just, you just want to make sure you can cover everyone. Kind of like last week, they're going to be bringing in some guys at receiver that are very good. You know, Syracuse is that team that every year they find a guy at receiver through the transfer portal or something that's just very good, uh, surprisingly athletic, uh, and great hands, circus catches guy. I remember a couple of years ago, they had Steve Ishmael. Uh, after that, they had Amba Edatawo. He came from Maryland. Uh, they've had some really good receivers this year, and this year they return three guys and they also have another one of those transfer guys. Uh, I think the guy that's most uh, dangerous, who I've seen so far, is a transfer from Michigan State, uh, Tristan Jackson. He makes plays all the time. He seems to always be open. Uh, his number is 86. You need to watch for that guy. And they like to use him on deep routes. Another deep route guy they like to use is Nikeem Johnson. He's the big play guy as well. Uh, very good. But I think the favorite receiver is Sean Riley. Uh, he's the senior of the group. Uh, he's very experienced. He's played a lot. He's played Clemson, uh, you know, four years in a row. So he's very familiar with the defense. 
Um, we really need to watch out for those guys because, again, they hit you with those short routes, get you, you know, really focused on trying to stop the short routes, and then they'll hit you with one over the top. I saw it happen with Maryland. I saw it happen with Liberty. Uh, you know, they'll they'll throw, hit you with tempo. They'll throw the short routes, have you running everywhere, and then they'll hit you with a big play. So they want to run the ball, but they're not quite where they need to be offensive line yet to run the ball. They're not as big as they have been traditionally. Again, they're just working with guys and trying to see who works together. But they've got two talented running backs. Uh, you got a guy like Mo Neal and Abdul Adams. Abdul Adams is a transfer from Oklahoma. At Oklahoma, he was averaging like 9.2 yards a carry. But again, some of that is Big 12 defense. Still, he's a very talented guy. They want to get those guys involved, um, and, they, and they like to throw their running backs as well. Uh, but they are very much a pass-happy team. They like to throw the ball all over the yard. They're going to be running some trick plays, some exotic formations. They'll do a lot of window dressing, a lot of arc motions, stuff that makes you go, you know, pretty much gives up your hand uh, to what defense you're using. But if you're if you're ready and you're prepared for it and the conditioning is there, uh, you know, I think they'll be fine. Because, again, that passing game looks really good. Despite getting blown out by Maryland, uh, I think DeVito went for over 300 yards passing, 330 yards passing, something like that. He had three touchdown passes. He's got very good touch as well. I, I said he was a great pocket passer because he is. Uh, he's he's a very good pocket passer, but kind of like Kellen Mond, he's very skittish in the pocket. Uh, he he He's good with decisions, but uh, he's quick to throw the ball away, unlike Dungy. That was what made Dungy so dangerous for Clemson. He could just run around. Uh, if nothing was there, he could just take off. Uh, and he also had this thing where, you know, he was running, he'd make you commit to him and then he'd throw the ball right over the top of you. That happened a whole lot in 2017. They were just killing us with that. They really weren't even running routes. The guys were just basically running around trying to get open because they knew that Eric Dungey would make a play, but that's not the way it works this year. Again, this offense is not complex. We're not going to see something that's just going to be innovative it's more just going to be trying to outmatch you and get your guys out there in a mismatch situation. They want to spread you out so that you have to commit to one or the other. Fortunately, Clemson's good enough. There's things that you can do uh, to defeat things like this, and we'll get into it. We'll talk about some keys to the game for Clemson defense. Uh, I really like the 3-3-5, the 3-2-6 look uh, that Brent Venables has been using. And In fact, we used a lot of this uh, in 2016 when we played them at home. Uh, it seems to work best because basically you're just daring them to win up front with their offensive line. You want to force them into max protection. If you have a defensive end to the boundary side, you know, just kind of you know, backing off into coverage in the in your shallow zone and you got your linebackers and your nickelback or whoever, you know, spread out a little bit further, they can't hit you with those short things. They have to basically run the ball. But if you're getting pressure and you're moving the line, that's really going to take away all of that. They're, they're going to have to run the ball or they're going to have to throw it deep every time. In that case, the 3-2-6 that Clemson was using, uh, using a guy like Isaiah Simmons uh, in the almost like a center fielder position, uh, you're going to get a lot of picks with that. I, I can see this happening in this game because they're going to try and try and try to get Clemson on that deep pass. I mean, that's really their only hope. You can dink and dunk all you want to, uh, but with 3-3-5 and 3-2-6 look, uh, if you take away some of the things that they're best at, they're either going to try to run the ball, keep it on the ground, or hit you over the top. So you got to take away the quick, short throws. Make them run. Uh, if you get pressure, too, it's all over. Because yeah, if you can get pressure uh, with three men on the line, 
maybe even four with a you know blind blitzer somewhere, uh, you might wreak havoc. Again, if you send a guy like A.J. Terrell on a blitz or Kayvon Wallace on a blitz, they're going to get there. They're going to get him because he is nowhere near as athletic as Kellen Mond, and we saw what happened there. You got to watch for double passes. You got to watch for arc motions. You got to watch for hard counts. You know, they're going to try some trick plays. They're probably going to do it in the first one or two series because it it builds momentum. They, they need something to spark them because I have a feeling that Clemson is going to come out in their A game uh, on this game defensively, and they're going to make them go, you know, look to their resources. What can we do? How can we attack Clemson? And one of the ways you can do that, uh, again, is by tempoing them, uh, using a whole lot of eye candy, and hard counting them. Clemson's going to have to be very, very uh, sound on that because it's going to be loud, very, very loud. Uh, they're going to try to hit you, you know, with hard counts and get you to jump off sides, and that helps them move the ball forward as well. So want to make sure we're playing disciplined, uh, playing a very clean game defensively. Uh, and conditioning, again, conditioning is very good. Now, it's not that big a deal. I mentioned this earlier. Clemson also runs tempo, so we practice against this. It's not foreign to us. Uh, but they run it on a little bit more consistent basis than we do uh, out of necessity. Uh, but in 2017, they were really getting us with tempo. They were really getting us with those short routes. So Clemson really needs to be able to make sure uh, they are communicating well and getting lined up pretty much immediately. Some things that I saw last week that I like, I, th- I like the fact that Kayvon Wallace led the team in tackles. He was all over the field. I think Isaiah Simmons is a jack-of-all-trades. We, we pretty much knew that already, though, but they had him all over the field last year. He's playing inside. He's playing outside. He was on a rush in. He played center field during the game. We have all this talent and depth and experience in our secondary. Why not use more guys? I think it's genius that we're using more odd looks and odd fronts. If you've got more coverage, if you've got max coverage, again, you're going to force Syracuse to run the ball because they have nowhere to go. I thought Darian Kendrick is doing his job. He had a tough task against the A&M receivers. Those guys are big. They are very good. Uh, he's going to have another test. I think these guys might actually be faster, uh, not as big, but definitely as long and definitely faster than the A&M receivers. So he's going to have a big job. Again, they're going to pick on him a lot. And you know what? Nolan Turner, to me, is a secret MVP. Right now, you know, all the everybody on the Clemson defense is playing well. But Nolan Turner is playing like a monster. You know, he's giving up plays, but he has the heart of a champion. Again, last week, uh, you know, he missed a critical tackle on a third down, but he turned around and forced a fumble, a critical fumble. Uh, That changed the momentum of the game big time for Clemson. So I'm really happy with that. And again, if you got more guys, you got Denzel, you got uh, Nolan, you got Kayvon, you got Tanner, you got Isaiah that you can use back there. You even have some of the younger guys. The linebackers are doing exactly what they need to do. Use those guys. I love it. Defensive line needs to get some heavy pressure in this game. Again, if you're going to go use three people on a rush, maybe four, you need to get you need to get a lot of pressure. It's going to be very important because that's going to dictate what Syracuse does. So we know, you know, with the three guys that we're going to have. Maybe four, change up the looks a little bit. We got to get pressure. We got to actually get to them. You don't even actually have to sack the quarterback. You just want to disrupt his rhythm. You know, you want to get in his head. Uh, you want to make sure he can establish rhythm because a lot of the times it's just going to be a three-step drop and toss. They're not even they're not even reading things. They're just one, two, three out. The linebackers will play a very important role in this game. You need to spread wide. 
Get them out. Get the nickel. Get the linebacker. You need to spread them out, especially the mic. You want to make sure they're out because they're not going to throw to the middle of the field. They don't have time to do that, especially with those wide splits. You want to spread them out, take away all the easy stuff. Somebody's going to come up with a pick if you can get in the right lane. Folks, when we come back, we'll be talking the Clemson offense, the Syracuse defense, and some ways that Clemson can attack this talented defense. Well, at least on paper. You're listening to 4th and 16's The Game Plan. Back in a moment. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Welcome back to 4th and 16 on The Roar. All right, folks, we're back. Second segment of 4th and 16's The Game Plan uh, is underway. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. Let's go ahead and talk about the Syracuse defense. Now, they've got some absolute studs on that side of the ball, uh, just absolutely talented, but they haven't looked so hot against better competition so far. Of course, there's only been two games so far, but uh, what I've seen so far has looked pretty bad. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Defensive coordinator uh, joined uh, Syracuse, I want to say 2016. Uh, very good coach. His name is Brian Ward. Uh, he's a little underrated. Uh, he's nowhere near as aggressive as Mike Elko or Andrew Thacker, uh, but he does know how to bring the heat. Uh, scheme is basic 4-3. Uh, he likes to be multiple, but mostly it's predominantly 4-3. A lot of Tampa 2 coverage, a lot of cover 2 coverages. His philosophy is to stop the run. They want to sell out to stop the run, uh, and most of that is based off of the archetype of their defense. That's just what they're built to do. Uh, they're all about their talent. Both defensive ends, Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman, are coming off double-digit sack seasons. I want to say Alton's probably better than Kendall, uh, but both guys are elite. Uh, and true sophomore Andre Sisco tied the nation with seven interceptions uh, last season on way to becoming an All-American as a true freshman. So he's legit. They are very good. Again, the defensive line and the secondary are their strength. A lot of, uh, you know, maturity, a lot of experience there. But their linebacker play, while there's some experience there, has been absolutely atrocious. Just awful. A lot of missed tackles, a lot of missed assignments, uh, terrible communication. I mean, of course, they lead the team in tackles. But, uh, of course, you expect a linebacker to do that in a team that's forced to stop the run. Uh you know, they cannot stop anyone right now, though. I mean, they could not stop Maryland's offense at all. They really couldn't stop Liberty's. Liberty didn't score, but they were moving the ball up and down on them. Uh, you know, Maryland had 356 yards rushing on them, a total of 652 yards. 
easily. It could have been more. Um, but they took their foot off the pedal uh, pretty much around the third quarter. It was it was weird to see. Syracuse is normally uh, much better. It's a head-scratcher because, again, this is the side of the ball that I thought that Syracuse would be better at coming into the season. I mean, they were giving up easy throws. Uh, you know, Right now they're averaging uh, allowing 442 yards per game. And that's pretty bad when you look at Clemson averaging about 510 yards per game. Uh, and I still don't think they've played an A game yet offensively. Like I said, their linebackers are experienced, but they're really unproven. Uh, just not very good. Those guys have missed a billion tackles. Uh, I'm thinking that's a weakness that Clemson can definitely attack, uh, especially in that Tampa 2. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but their secondary is looking pretty good, man. Uh, again, Andrew Cisco, uh, he's already gotten two interceptions on the season. Uh, he's also second in tackles. Uh, and they've got a lot of experience. You're talking about uh, Scoop Bradshaw and Chris Frederick. Other, they're two corners, uh, decent-sized guys. They're not as big as uh, Texas A&M's guys, but they're better cover corners. Um, they're not as long as those guys, though. But Chris Frederick and Scoop Bradshaw, both seniors, uh, and in the sa- the other safety across from uh, Andre Cisco is Evan Foster. Uh, he is another senior that's very good. A lot of these guys have played against Clemson for multiple years, so they know what's coming. Uh, they're familiar. Uh, it's just all about execution. Uh, but those guys, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they are able to get pressure. They did pressure Josh Jackson, the Maryland quarterback, uh, got him on the move a little bit, but he happens to be a really good quarterback on the move. Uh, we saw a lot of that at Virginia Tech. Uh, but, you know, we, I, I'm really confused about this Syracuse defense. I mean, I thought I, I personally thought that they would be uh, wrecking people defensively uh, and offensively trying to come into their own because they have a lot of uh, questions that they need answered. Right now, it seems like the offense is pulling the defense along. Uh, it's just not indicative of what I've seen. But again, they use Tampa 2 uh, defense coverage a lot. Kind of strange. Two deep safeties covering the sidelines and the, and the middle linebacker uh, basically covering the middle. Uh, he will be back deep uh, and he'll be the only guy doing that. So you're almost like a three deep, but it's, it's not quite the same. Um, I think Syracuse right now is going to have to, they might have to change their mindset. <laughs> they, they might want to, uh, you know, start crowding the box a little bit uh, and start using that secondary against our receivers uh, because, you know, I, right now I'm seeing Clemson, uh, we saw this a little last year. You know, we had to rely on Travis Etienne uh, because we were hitting them over the top sometimes. Uh, it's a big pass to Hunter Renfro, had a big pass to T that opened things up, and Travis Etienne had one of the career days. Uh, you just got to wear those guys down. Again, Syracuse's defense, bad so far. Uh, I'd be surprised if they just had a turnaround game and played uh, like the 85 Bears against Clemson in this game. I just don't really see that big of a turnaround that fast. But let's go ahead and talk some special teams. Uh, now, this might be the best duo of special teams that we've seen uh, so far, uh, and might be the best duo in the country. This is the third week in a row we faced some of the best kickers and punters in the country. Uh, Andre Smith, the kicker, he unanimously won the Lou Groza last year. So that tells you how good that guy is. I think he only missed four kicks on the year. And the punter, Sterling Hoffrichter, uh, was an all ACC selection uh, and one of the best punters in the nation. 
you know, we want them to kick the ball. I've said this multiple weeks. We want them to be kicking and punting a lot because that means we're doing our job. Uh, Smith doesn't have a huge leg, uh, but he is very accurate. Probably one of the most accurate kickers I've seen outside of Daniel Carlson or Harrison Butker of Georgia Tech a couple years ago. Um, they also have Sean Riley, their receiver, starting receiver. Uh, he's very dangerous in the punt return and kick return. Uh, he he looks like he's uh, any moment from breaking one. So we really have to uh, be sound on kick coverage. Again, for the third week, you want to make them pick their poison. Uh, I thought we've done a great job of that these past two weeks. Now, we dropped a lot of passes, a lot of passes that were underthrown. Uh, otherwise, you would have seen Trevor have a whole lot more yards. There would have been a couple more touchdowns scored. Uh, but we did a good job of managing that. So make them pick their poison. If they want to stop the run, uh, we want to hit them hard. Uh, again, you want Tampa 2, uh, you really want to try to, you know, hit those tunnel screens. You want to get the running backs to balls. Uh, you want to get something across the middle, but not deep. You want to hit them shallow middle because the linebacker will be bailing trying to cover the deep middle. So you want to make sure that you can, you know, get your guys in the zones where they won't be. And I think we're good at doing that. You want to get the running backs in the passing game again. One of the most important things I saw was the evolution of Travis Etienne as an all-purpose back. He can now catch the ball, which means nightmares for opposing defensive coordinators. Yeah, it's just one extra guy on a check down that Trevor can go to. You know, establish the run. If you can, you know, push the line back, of course, they're going to try to stack the box. But uh, if you can try to just show them that you're not – uh, willing to give up, then what that does is makes the RPO even that more dangerous. So we want to make sure we're committed to the run and they know that. Uh, we want to protect the edges. Again, I mentioned they have two elite pass rushers. Uh, so we want to make sure that, you know, Trevor is protected. You have to be a big game for a guy like Jackson Carmen going against uh, an upperclassman uh, in this game where Jackson's talented. Those guys have a little bit more experience, a little bit more savvy. They know how to use their hands. So uh, it's going to be more uh, pertinent that he's he grows up in this game for sure. I think uh, he did a pretty good job against uh, A&M, but their edge rushers are not like Syracuse's. Uh, I think that Tremaine Akron will have to hold his side down. Uh, I'm very confident in both of those guys, though, but you need to protect the edges because moving on to the next key, keep Trevor healthy. Look, I am super happy that Chase Bryce came in. I'm super happy that he was able to lead the team late uh, and get the win, but I would prefer to not have to play Chase Bryce until it is way out of hand. The last two years, we have had quarterbacks knocked out of the game completely uh, by Syracuse. We do not want any more injuries to our quarterbacks, so uh, we need to keep him healthy. Uh, it's also going to start with him protecting himself. He's going to have to know when to get down. Um, he admitted in pressers this week that it was more of him falling than actually trying to slide or getting hit or whatnot in the game last year. It, you know, He was just falling, and it happened. So we need to keep him healthy. We got to know when to use tempo and when not to. Again, I mentioned we are a variable tempo team. We know when to slow it down. If you get a big play on a first down, hit them with it. Lastly, communication. Uh, it's going to be super loud there. It's going to be echoing. It's a uh, dome, essentially. Uh, it, the, the, it's, it's basically where they play basketball as well. So I don't know if you've ever been to a basketball game, but the, the stands are so much closer to the field than a regular traditional football stadium because they also play basketball there. 
So it's loud. It's hot. It's called the Carrier Dome, but the, it doesn't seem like they have any air conditioning in there at all. Uh, and it's going to be sold out. I mentioned this is going to be their biggest game in two decades. So you know they're going to be loud and they're going to be raucous. You know it's loud at Death Valley, but mostly it's the defense dealing with this. This time you're going to have to deal with it offensively. So they're going to have to get their communication down. It's going to be critical, especially against a team with a good pass rush. Uh, Amari is back. I didn't know he was going to make it back that fast. Uh, the kid is a freak of nature. Uh, we've had guys come back fast. I, I know that Chad Kelly came back in four months from uh, the same thing. I know that Deshaun Watson healed. I know Deshaun Watson played on a tour in ACL. <laughs> so, you know, it just takes a different type of person to deal with that. Uh, he's just a, a freak of nature, and I'm so glad that we had him. He has great work ethic. Um, a lot of people thought he was just going to be an alert receiver. Uh, but he was actually out there doing things. He had two catches for six yards, uh, and Dabo was going to actually put him out to catch a punt if Texas A&M was going to have to punt on their last uh, drive, but they didn't, unfortunately. So uh, I'm just happy to see him back. I want to see DeAndre Overton get the ball. I want to see him get the ball a lot, especially I talked about uh, shallow middle. You run him on a slant. Uh, there's no linebacker that Syracuse has that can match with him. Uh, he's, he's too fast for a linebacker, and he's too big for the nickelback. So uh, you get him that and get him in space and let him run around. I think that'll be great. Speaking of space, tunnel screens will work this game. Uh, I also think uh, if you can use some you know, outside runs a little bit because they're going to stack the box, that might help out a little bit. Clemson uses a buck sweep a lot. Uh, you'll see that in this game. Uh, things like that's going to really stress Syracuse and make them spread out, and then it's just going to be over from there. Uh, I want to see some of the younger guys get some touchdowns. Uh, I know that Frank Latson got his first one against Georgia Tech, but I want to see Joe Ngata get one. He was close to getting one this past game, but I want to see him get one this game. Uh, I want to see those guys get something. I want to see Brandon Spector get a pass. Uh, we only taken 72 players, so we're not going to be able to play 90 players like we have I can see if we're playing well and the game's way out of hand, we could get close to 72, if not 72. But uh, I really want to see the young guys get some playing time in this one. I want to see Malusi out there. I want to see Dukes out there. Uh, I want to see Tyson Pumachan take a snap. Uh, I really think this game is one that Clemson needs to really, you know, show out at, and I think they will. Uh, but again, I, there, there's so much that I'm proud about this offense. Again, I don't think they've had an A game yet. Uh, I think they are still a sleeping giant. If they can get this offense moving, if they can get the offense, uh, you know, humming like they were before, close to season's end last year, uh, it's over. You know, I think Trevor Lawrence has played much better this week. I think that he has more command uh, of the offense. I think Dabo allowed him to be a quarterback this week. Uh, you know, it's hard to think that he didn't have full command of the offense. Uh, you know, just because he's a true freshman, they were undefeated. Uh, he won the national championship uh, big time. Uh, but he still didn't have full grasp of the offense. You know, he talked about how he wished he could run a little bit more last year, but he kind of held that back from him. But now I feel like he has that comfort to be able to, you know, make changes at the line of scrimmage with protections. He's able to go to the sideline and say, Coach, this is what I'm seeing out there. Let's run this because it will work. He has that. And he did do that last week against Texas A&M. Uh, he just needs to be a little bit more sharp on his throws, uh, getting a little bit confident or just, you know, there's a lot of throws he wishes he had back. He has an overthrow to T. Higgins in the end zone, an underthrow to Justin Ross. 
uh, that led to an interception. I think both of those would have been a touchdown. So if he's playing smart, if ETN is still playing like the involved player that he is, uh, catching the ball and running the ball, if Lynn J. Dixon can give us a spark like he did this past week, man, he had a hot hand. He really did the thing. He looks so good. He's he's like a uh, Andre Ellington part two, but he's also got some James Davis in him because he runs straight. He's strong. He's got great balance. I think if we can do that uh, and include the tight ends too, the tight ends are doing an impressive job blocking. I know that I've been talking about them getting in the passing game, but those guys have done a really good job in blocking. Uh, that's critical, too, because you're giving Trevor a little bit more time to find the guys downfield. Uh, it's just critical. But they're also coming up in the pass game, too. Uh, J.C. Chalk is really showing he's got soft hands. Um, I am looking to see more than just J.C. Chalk at a pass, though. I want to see, uh, you know, Davis Allen. I want to see Jalen Lay get some passes. Also, want to see Luke Price get a pass. Maybe J.L. Banks. Those guys are doing the dirty work. They're more like the uh, Garrett Williams, the blocking H-back type guys. But I want to see them get a shot, too. I want to see them try to catch a pass. So, uh, overall, I'm just very happy with this offense. I think just because of the scheme of Syracuse and they're kind of playing with their heads tucked right now, I think that we can come away with a big win in this game. Offense can really start uh, to get things moving. Anyway, stay tuned, folks. In the final segment, I'm going to be comparing position groups. I'm going to be giving you my final prediction of the game. You're listening to 4th and 16, The Game Plan. Back in a bit. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Right now, when you come in and switch to T-Mobile, you get the amazing iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. <sighs> Aren't these mountains majestic? Joe, are you even looking? I'm posting these amazing pics I took with my iPhone 11 Pro. It has three cameras. Whoa, those pics are amazing. And you have service too? T-Mobile. Their newest signal goes farther than ever before. Uh, then you can look up whether these are bear tracks, right? Or we could just run. Come to a T-Mobile store today and get iPhone 11 Pro on us with iPhone XS trade-in. And right now, get four lines for just 30 bucks a line with AutoPay. Switch today. Contact us if you cancel or credits may stop in full price due, plus taxes and fees via 24 monthly credits for well-qualified customers with qualifying service and finance agreement. Zero down with trade-in plus 3125 times 24 months. Pre-credit price $999.99. Zero percent APR while supplies last. Welcome back to 4th and 16 on The Roar. All right, folks. Final segment of 4th and 16. The game plan is underway. Uh, let's go ahead and compare each position group from both Clemson uh, and Syracuse. Let's start with the receivers. I'm going to have to go with Clemson on this one. I just think that Justin Ross, T. Higgins, uh, getting a guy like Amari Rogers back, DeAndre Overton, Cornell Powell, TJ Chase, newcomers in Brandon Spector, Frank Ladson, and Joe Ngata just trump everything. I think that Syracuse's receivers 
are more consistent than A&M's. They're better at catching the boring balls and the circus balls. Uh, they can do they can do it all. Uh, they're also definitely much faster. I'm just going to have to go with Clemson. I think our guys had a little bit of the dropsies during the game. I want to see them come up with some more of those catches. But I do think Clemson overall has the best receiver core, uh, and I will wait to be proven wrong with that. Let's move along to running backs. With the evolution of Travis Etienne as an all-purpose back now uh, and having a guy like Lynn J. Dixon that can provide a spark, uh, the one-two punch is just really good. Uh, of course, Syracuse has one-two punch as well with Mo Neal and Abdul Adams. Uh, but I want to take our guys a little bit more because we know that Travis Etienne is one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, and now he's learned how to catch a pass. It's over now. Uh, you look at a guy like Lynn J. Dixon, who's stronger. He just, just looks the part now. Uh, I think we have probably the best one-two punch that we've had since CJ and James. Uh, and that says a lot. So I'm going to go with Clemson's running backs. I do want to see Travis Etienne impose his will a little bit more like he did last year. Uh, I know that teams are going to try to stack the box and stop him, but uh, you know we really want to see him break through all of that stuff. Uh, there should be no nobody that can tackle him with an arm tackle in this game. Quarterbacks, definitely going with Clemson too. Uh, I just think that Trevor Lawrence and Chase Bryce alone uh, are some of the better quarterbacks in the country, even though Chase Bryce doesn't play a lot. I know I get ragged about this a whole lot. I think Chase Bryce is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. I know a lot of people will be you know, really happy to have a backup like Chase Bryce. I think Tommy DeVito is a pretty good quarterback. He can move. You know, he was a big instrumental part of, you know, the Florida State blowout last year. He led the comeback against North Carolina, but that doesn't say a whole lot because when he played better competition, he got blown out. He had to fill in for Eric Dungy when they played Notre Dame, and it was just a, it was just bad. But he's a good thrower. He's a very good thrower. He's a very good quarterback. He's been in the system, so he knows it. But I'm still going with Trevor Lawrence and uh, Chase Bryce in this one. So I'm going to go with Clemson and quarterback core. Tight ends. Uh, they don't use their tight ends very much lately. I, you know, They have some talented guys and Chris Elmore and Aaron Hackett, but they don't really use them a lot. At least they haven't in the first two games. Kind of like Texas A&M, uh, a very pivotal part of your offense uh, that you haven't used so far. And while Chalk and Lay and Davis Allen and Banks and Price have been playing well, they're just not a big enough part uh, of the offense right now for me to be able to say that they are, you know, by far better than anybody else. So I'm going to go even with tight ends. Offensive line core, I'm going to go with Clemson. I think Clemson, again, uh, has some very talented players across the board. I think moving Sean Pollard to center was a great idea because that put Gage Tavinka in there. I think having a guy like Jackson Carmen play on par with Mitch Hyatt, if not better, uh, is very important. Uh, he's going to play a big role this game. You know, I, I still think that Clemson is going to do a better job, especially because uh, Syracuse's offensive line, again, is still meshing. They might be down a guy, uh, and you know, they so far haven't really imposed their will. Defensive line, I'm actually going to go slight Syracuse because, again, Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman. Those guys are elite. As much as I want to say, you know, Xavier Thomas is the best defensive end in the country and Justin Foster's right behind him and KJ Henry and Logan Rudolph, uh, these guys are legitimately 
some of the best defensive ends in college football. I think that we have a chance to change this in this game. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I have to be objective and say that these guys are actually better because they are. So I think Clemson's depth is better, though, which is why I'm leaving it at slight Syracuse. Um, we got a couple of guys that we can rotate in, whereas they, you know, outside of Robinson, McKinley, Williams, and Kendall Coleman, uh, they really don't have a whole lot of depth that they can rely on, and two of their guys are going to be injured and doubtful for the game as well. So for the linebackers, I'm definitely going Clemson. I mentioned how Syracuse linebackers have been playing awful this year, uh, and I, I just really like how Chad Smith is playing. I really like how Jamie Skalski is playing, and we know what we have in a guy like Isaiah Simmons. So uh, I really like uh, Clemson's linebackers. I'm going to go at Clemson outright on that. Defensive backs, I'm going to go even because uh, I mentioned that they have an All-American and true sophomore, Andre Sisco. Uh, he is legit. I think with Frederick Bradshaw and Foster uh, having so much experience uh, and experience against Clemson, too, that makes a big difference. They're really good. They're legit. But I think that Clemson having depth uh, all over, we're able to just put in guys and still play at a high level. You're talking about the starters in Kayvon Wallace, Tanner Muse who are fantastic players, uh, but behind them you have guys who are fighting for playing time. I mentioned that I like Nolan Turner. I think he is a secret MVP. I think he is amazing. I think that Denzel Johnson is amazing. Two guys that really didn't even get a whole lot of uh, attention from D1 schools out of high school are really playing some meaningful ball right now for Clemson. A.J. Terrell is a soon-to-be-paid uh, NFL corner. I think Darian Kendrick is doing his job and then some. You're, you're talking about a guy that was a quarterback in high school, a wide receiver his first year at Clemson, and now a cornerback, a starting cornerback in his first real camp. Special teams, I'm going to have to give it outright to Syracuse. Again, you have the unanimous Lou Grozer winner and Andre Smith uh, and all-ACC punter uh, and Sterling Hoffrichter. I thought that Will Spires has played a lot better. He's been very consistent, which is something that we've been asking for out of a punter in general uh, for a very, very long time. We just want consistency. We don't want to be put in bad field position because we, you know, we're, we're giving out 20 and 30-yard punts. He's been very consistent. Uh, proud of him. And I, I think BT is doing a very good job, too. He's kicking the ball out of the end zone left and right. No chance of a kick return. You know, he missed a kick in the game, but... Uh, he did make up for it. He did make another one. Some of that was because of a uh, hip injury or groin injury that he had uh, Thursday and Friday that kept him out of kicking. So he's kind of rusty getting back in the groove of it. I think it'll be fine going forward. Uh, he has a big leg. We know that. So, uh, you know, our punt returners and kick returners, I really like Darian Kendrick. I want to see him get moving in this game because uh, like Texas A&M, I think that Syracuse's uh, punt return is very sloppy. Uh, and in kick return, I just really like Joseph Ngata. I think he uh, opens the game up for us uh, and gives us good position uh, to start on the field. And I think that Syracuse's kick returner, who is their starting right wide receiver in Sean Riley, is also very dangerous. I mentioned that he averages about 20 yards uh, a kick return. So uh, fortunately, that's good for us because he's not going to catch the ball on kick return. We have to give that outright to Syracuse. 
but I'm going to have to give the nod to Clemson. I think Clemson just has a more talented team. Uh, Syracuse is not the veteran-laden team that they have been over the past few years. They're not. But they lost a lot of their heart and soul. We're riding the momentum. I know we're playing them there. I know the spread is huge, but it's for a reason. I just think that Clemson uh, is playing with their heads on fire right now, and they still haven't played an A game. I've said this. Folks, this, this is one of those games that everyone had circled as Clemson's trap game, the other being A&M. And I'm pretty sure they passed that first test with flying colors. Syracuse is a team playing on desperation right now. I mean, this is for their season, basically. Their hopes of winning the ACC Atlantic ride on beating Clemson. We all know that. They know that if they do it, I mean, they don't have to hope for Clemson to drop two games uh, so that they can have a chance. And the way the ACC Atlantic is looking right now, there's no way that Clemson's dropping two games in the Atlantic, much less the season itself. Clemson's going to be going into this game with something to prove. They want a statement win. Last two games hadn't gone well for Clemson. I mean, they lost one in 2017 in the same stadium that they're going to be playing in this Saturday. And things are really wacky in this series, man. Two years in a row, Clemson's quarterback has been knocked completely out of the game and put in the hands of a backup. All the things you would hope would never happen have happened to us. This game was supposed to be a game day game, though. It's supposed to be a game day destination up until the utter decimation by the Turtles of College Park. I mean, I looked at that game and saying, man, can Syracuse bounce back from that? A lot of people said it was them looking to this Saturday's big matchup. Uh, some of it was the fact that Maryland was both unknown and probably a lot better than we thought. I personally say that's half true. Sure, you might have looked ahead and sure they may be better, uh, but surely a team that was looked at to knock off the defending champion Clemson on their way to their first ever Atlantic championship and a shot at a big-time bowl wouldn't get blown out like that, would they? Look, Dabo has coached speak all week. He's the master of that. He knows how to get his guys locked in by not letting them listen to the outside noise, including me. They tell you not to look at what happened last week and think it's automatically going to go that way for us, and I get that. I get that, too. I mean, think about it. The team that went on to play in the playoffs uh, in 2017 was beaten by this team when they won a total of four games. Last year, the national championship team that won the playoffs by a margin of 74 to 19, including Alabama and Notre Dame, a team that they played, barely escaped this same team at home. Look, it's their homecoming. It's their Super Bowl. But this game just reeks of an absolute blowout like 2016. You might be thinking, Ellis, why are you so confident? Two reasons, really. I don't look at what happened last week and think that we'll win based off of that. I just look at it as this team is a young but talented and driven team that wants to leave no doubt. This is a well-coached team. The other reason, I've seen absolutely nothing out of this Syracuse team so far that makes me think that they'll have a heroic and unbelievable turnaround and keep it within three scores of this Tiger team without a monster like Eric Dungy playing quarterback for. Do you think it doesn't make a difference? Just look at their first two games. Like with A&M last year, I don't think we had been uh, forced in the fire yet. I think the team, you know, that they were going through a lot of stuff. You're talking about a death of a former teammate. You're talking about a transfer of your starting quarterback the week before, you know. But I thought that that turned the Tigers into a juggernaut. After that game, they beat everybody by three or more scores. They found their identity. Look, I absolutely love and respect Coach Babers. I commend him on the insanely good job that he's doing with the team from up north. You know, if Dabo were to ever leave, which I don't think he will, but if so, I think Coach Babers would be the guy that I would look to and say, hey, can we get him? 
He really knows his stuff. He's really trying to model his program uh, to be something great. But this Tiger team is just made of the heart of a champion. And I think they run away with this one in a hot, muggy, excessively loud blimp of a stadium. I'm taking the Tigers big in this one. I, look, I said way back on record to the very first episode of 4th and 16 podcast that I thought that Clemson would blow the doors off of AM and Syracuse this season, and I'm sticking to it. Syracuse is one of those cycle pain programs that we've dealt with over the years. Think about recent history. Clemson would blow out a team, and then for the next two to three years, that team plays Clemson out of their minds until the cycle repeats and we're back to square one. Think about it. It was NC State once. We blew them out, and then for the next few years, we should have lost to them a couple times. Uh, in fact, if it weren't for a terrible kick, we do lose to them. Uh, but, you know, all that stuff cycled back, and we blew them out this past season. Now we're not even thinking about NC State again. Same with Louisville. I remember at a time when it was tough and somewhat scary test to play the Cardinals. Heck, they brought the eventual Heisman Trophy winner into Death Valley, and we barely pulled that one out. Uh, but we did win a national championship that year. The next year, we embarrassed them at their home uh, with Kelly Bryant. And the last year, we ran them boys and their coach right out of a job and back to square one. So, you know, while I still don't think the Tigers have peaked yet, and I think that's a blessing, as you've seen a lot of other schools are playing nobody and scoring 70 and 80 right now, and by the time season's in, you know, they're all worn out, they're all injured, they don't have anything to show anymore. They don't, their playbook has already been all out there. I think the Tigers always find a way uh, to end strong, and we saw that last year. We've seen it for a couple of years now. And I think they begin the process of maturation this week. We'll see them operate on a whole different level from here on out. And with that said, folks, that's the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening in. Again, if you want to listen to this episode again, uh, it'll be available on the 4th and 16th podcast. And you can find that pretty much wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm talking iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all that jazz. You can find me on Twitter at eTolbertSpeaks or Facebook at 4th and 16 Sports. I'd love to chat sports with you. As always, it's great to be a Clemson Tiger. I'll catch you all next Thursday night right here on The Roar, the flagship station of Clemson Athletics. Have a good night. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!